thank you, Father. Thank you for the light of your word that floods our hearts. That is what makes us wiser than the enemies. That is how we are preserved. In John chapter 17, when you prayed for your disciples and for us who will believe through them, you prayed that we should be preserved by your word. Lord, we thank you because that your word really preserves us. It makes us wiser. It makes us make the most use of our time and purpose. We can't just be grateful enough. And each time we take a look at what this Jesus had done for us, we are under obligation, not pressure, under obligation. We feel indebted. Like Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter, that we are indebted to walk by the Spirit. And as a matter of fact, when we come to see really what you have done, Lord, we know we are indebted to you because we cannot even pay this debt. If we should sacrifice the whole of our, of our lifetime mentioning your name to humanity. And these benefits you have given to us it's not just a lifetime deal. It's an eternal thing. We are forever grateful. May you open our hearts, dear Jesus. Take us deep down in you. We will be wise enough and skilled enough and anointed enough, intelligent enough to present Jesus Christ, the worth of everything, to everyone we come in contact with so that they would see the greatest gift of God for humankind. Lord, as we briefly take a look at your word this morning, please, in your infinite mercy, like you've been helping us in our teaching sections, sessions, Father, you will help us this time around. Please help us, give us utterance for the sake of somebody and for their namesake. For their namesake. For their namesake. Thank you, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Good day, everyone. It's a pleasure to have you once again on this media. I really want to bless God for what He had been doing, how He had been helping us, how He had been teaching us. Hallelujah. We have a lot of things to learn this morning, although I don't have a specific outline, but... I know the Holy Ghost will bring up issues we are going to address. And what we are going to talk about this morning is what I have titled, What is the value of Jesus Christ to you? There are people who had followed Jesus Christ and after a while they had to go back. They withdraw. And that posed a great question to those who teach that salvation is not a thing you lose even if you become a criminal tomorrow. Hmm. Father, please help us. Oh, glory be to God. The Holy Ghost, this is not where I'm going. We want to see the value of Christ. But the statement I mentioned, the Holy Ghost gave me scriptures. Okay, for time's sake, let me narrate. First Corinthians chapter 15. 
Apostle Paul told the Corinthians church about how he had preached to them. And far more beyond the fact that he preached to them, one of the reasons why he would address that subject, address in that chapter, is to give them an evidence of the reality of Christ. He wants them to believe that Christ is beyond the language of men, is beyond fables, like Apostle Paul renders it in first in Second Peter chapter one. When we come to talk about Christ, it's not like the, 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 the story of Shungu or the story of Oya or the story of Obatala or one Yoruba mythology or any mythology in, 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 in the Western philosophy. When we come to talk about Jesus Christ, we are talking about a reality that gives us a reality, hmm. a perspective that defines our perspective, a standard that accredits, that approves our standard. So Paul told them, he said, look, this gospel I preach to you is by it you became saved. And he made a statement where I want to draw attention to, which is, he said, except you are believing in vain. In other words, one can receive the gospel and yet believe it in vain. Another scripture is in in Hebrews chapter 4, Paul the Apostle said that the gospel was preached to them as unto us, making allusion to the people who walked in the wilderness, the Israelites. He said, but the word preached to them did not mix up with faith in them, and therefore they could not enter into the rest because of unbelief. In other words, it is one thing to hear the gospel, it is another thing to cling to it. There are a lot of people who confessed Jesus Christ at the time, and after a time, they, they backslid it. In the early 80s and early 90s, when I had a new knowledge of my father, he used to be very bright, very, very vibrant, very devoted. He never played with devotion, both at home and in church. But when we begin to move towards uh, late 90s and early 2000 from that around 2000 to 2015 19 it became something else he didn't backslide totally but his faith waned. we can believe in vain and what does it mean to believe in vain to believe in vain simply means not to incline to those things not to give attention not to take seriously that which we have heard now let me read because I want to make use of the words of scriptures in order to be able to say as clearly as I could what the Holy Ghost wanted me to do with our scriptures as he gave me that picture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you. I declare to you the gospel I preach to you. I declare to you the gospel I preach to you, which also you received and which and in which you stand, by which also you have you are saved. If you hold fast, look at that condition. You are saved if you. So this reality has to do with our sincerity. First Peter chapter one, Apostle Peter told us about the genuineness of our faith. Why would there be genuineness of faith if there would not be that there is chances that you are not actually genuine? In first, I think Second Corinthians, Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians church. He told them to examine themselves to check whether they are in the faith. Which faith? The faith of our Lord Jesus. He said, "Set to have believed in vain." 
I declare to you. I make known to you the gospel which I preach. You know that was Paul said, look, I preached to you the gospel. And I didn't just preach it to you. I explained it. To declare means to explain, to expand, to teach. I am teaching you, you know, a believer come to Christ by the preaching of faith. That was what Paul meant in Romans chapter 10 when he says faith comes by year and year by the word of God. Never forget that that chapter is all about salvation. In chapter 1, chapter 10, verse 1, it talks about his burning, his yearning, his desire that the children of Israel will come to know the Lord. And he acknowledges the fact that they had exile, but the exile is channeled wrongfully. So that place talks about faith. And later, Apostle Paul, wanting to refer them or wanting to show them how they can know the Lord, made them to understand that they wouldn't need to regret for not knowing Christ when he walked on it, that all they need to do is just to confess with their mouth and believe in their heart, in other words, or a way of saying that they would not, in fact, he mentioned it actually, that they would not need to go to heaven to bring down Christ, nor go under the earth to bring up Christ from the grave. Christ is risen. He has ascended to the right hand of the Father to make intercession for us as he rendered in Romans chapter 8. But the fact remains that this Jesus Christ is real. If you have sincerely accepted him, then he comes into your heart. Colossians chapter 1. Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians. He said that the... Ah, let me read. I don't know. I don't want to call by heart. Okay, let me just speak it. Let me give you a paraphrase. There, he mentioned that if the Colossians Christian continue in what he preaches, then Christ belongs to them. Let me check if the Holy Ghost will make me find it early. And if not, we go to the main scriptures. Never forget what we are looking at this morning. What is the value of Christ to you? Hallelujah. 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 Let me read from verse 3. I'll read to verse 3 to 8. If I find it within that context, fire. If not, we leave it. We give thanks to the Father. To give them, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. I'm going to explain this later. There is a basis of our devotion. We didn't just follow Christ because he was a miracle worker. And that marks the difference between those who had Christ, who met him, who walked with him, whom they live in the same generation. The difference between them and they was that their faith in Christ was based on what they could see on miracles, on the present, on the moment, on the food they ate, on the Christ they touched, on his powerful teachings. Meanwhile, our own faith is anchored on something greater, on our hope of his coming, hallelujah, on our hope of his dream with him, on the hope of eternity which we have received. Those people did not believe Jesus Christ to be the Son of God. They believed him to be the Messiah, right? Some of them believed him to be a miracle worker, and that was Christ. That was where Christ was particular about what men says about him. So we are more fortunate than they were. I know the Holy Ghost has put this in my spirit. Which is the fact that, by all standards, we are more fortunate in this generation than those who lived before Christ and those who lived during Christ. Because the power that is at work in us is far more greater than the power that is at work in their lives there. Thank God for great men like Daniel, great men like Jeremiah, great men like Ezekiel, great men like Elijah, great men like Moses. They were great. But the dimension of grace we are exposed to is far more greater than... Look at Jesus' uh, uh, 
my comment about John the Baptist. He said, there is nobody that had risen among the sons of men that is as great as John the Baptist, but the least in the kingdom is greater, and we have come into that kingdom. Now, that was Jesus' statement, revealing the status we came into. That does not mean we are greater than John the Baptist. As it were, but tells us that in the kingdom of God there is a status we enter. It is a reality far beyond the enter. But you know what people have said? They said, "Look, if you are really greater, but what John, what 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 Daniel, what Solomon, and what those great men did are far more than what we are doing now." Mm, that is a reality. That is a fact. They did our own greatness is not in our act. Our master did it for us. Is in our state. And it's in our state right now, but it's going to be in our position in the kingdom to come because we are actually going to reign with Christ. Our work with God is not going to be on the basis that uh, we perform miracles or we aid God as prophet. It's going to be the status Christ has bought for us. Hallelujah. Hmm. So here in Colossians, we learn that our hope is in heaven. Our faith in Christ is based on the hope that is laid up for us in heaven. Let me read on. Verse 5 again, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you, as it has also in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit, as it is also among you since the day you've heard and knew the grace of God in truth, as you learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to, to us the love in the Spirit. Hallelujah. I can't find that place I want to talk about. Yeah, in that place, Paul mentioned the fact that they may not be part of Christ if they do not continue. If they do not continue what he told them. Maybe we'll come back there later. Let's quickly look at what the Holy Ghost is um, showing us this morning. It is very important. I don't want to be distracted we're talking about what's the value of christ to you and i said when i knew when i began this uh pod cast that there are people who had followed the lord and after a while they went back we don't mock them we don't say their faith is not genuine you know we've seen people that we call men of god the 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 where people built men they've done valiantly for the lord then after a while you see them slide back they denounced what they have once extinct and we feel that maybe all the while they have pretended no they have not pretended though how far we are able to go with the lord is determined by what actually informs our work with him and that is the problem of the prosperity gospel When we sell Jesus Christ or we preach Jesus Christ to the people, what, what became a thing of concern to us is the well-being of the people. And that's not what the gospel presents. The problem of humanity is first, is first separation from God. And that separation from God is even an effect of something, disobedience, rebellion. And when men rebelled against God, disobeyed against God, had the forbidden fruit, there was, permit me to say, it may not be too correct, but let me just give you a figure. There was a kind of chemical, there was a 
kind of thing that contaminated the nature of man from that fruit. As because man was contaminated, he could not fit into God's original intention. God banned him from his presence. So that's what man suffers. So if at all we want to present anything to people about the Christ, what we present about the Christ should be that Christ has come to reinstate things, has come to restore things, has come to to, to repair the, 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 the corrupted nation, then in doing that, he has brought them back to the state we lost. Hallelujah. Adam lost the garden. And in place of the garden, Christ gave us the kingdom of God, not just the kingdom, all of God's. Hallelujah. We want to talk about the value of Christ. And each time I come to ponder on this, I can't but be grateful to what Christ for what Christ has done. Because in what Christ had done, I saw the value of love. I saw what it meant by love. Hallelujah. Now, the text for this challenge is found in Matthew chapter 27. Verse 9. And before I read that verse 9, let me give you a background of the scriptures. I like doing that so that we understand what we're reading. Now, Christ has been arrested. He was born. And they led him to Pilate, the governor. Judas had been paid earlier. In fact, before Christ was arrested, he had been paid before he was arrested. So he became remorseful and felt condemned. He hung himself and returned the money. And when they returned the money, when he returned the money, the religious leaders, the chief priests took the money and then they felt that they cannot return the money to the treasury because it is a price of blood. So they consulted together and brought this uh, and concluded buying a piece of land with the money Judas refused. Judas lost his life. The money was returned. From the money, a property was bought. And that property that was bought is called the field of blood. But this is where I'm saying. This is where I'm going, rather. Hey, Ach, my God. The price, the value we place on Jesus Christ will determine our overall commitment to him. We be the determinant whether we'll be able to face the odds of life or we kick him in the face of the odds of life. If Job's values, if Job's work, if the basis of his relationship with the God Almighty as he then knew him had been on the words he had, had been on the word being, that very day when all he had crumbled, excluding his biological children, he would not even have waited for his wife to advise him to curse God. He would have cursed God gallantly. There are people who are throwing challenges at God, who are questioning God. Because they felt he's not faithful enough. They felt he had not kept his promises. They felt if he had kept his promises, his promises, why are things the way they are with him? What was the value of Christ to you? 
Is Christ nothing worth than the property you have? Maybe you have this attitude Job had that one of the reasons why you are really working with God is because he's your protector. You only worship him because when we keep in, in line or in touch with God, he protects us. So let me keep worshiping so that I will not fall off accident. But you have no relationship. Actually, logically, we believe that Judas did not betray the master because he actually wanted to betray the master, but because he's a lover of money. In other words, he values money than Christ. Now, some people have the opinion that his intention was that uh, he felt to dupe, and the disciple even dupe, he felt a dupe to dupe the, the high priest, feeling that if he hands Jesus Christ over to them, he collects the money. After collecting the money, he would escape. But I don't believe that notion because the Bible made us understand that he had collected the money before he had the occasion to. So he had be, so what the value of of, 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 of Judas Iscariot is primarily money. All he the girl that made him work with Christ is for his own well-being. And I tell you today, if one of the reasons why you are following Christ down the road is because of the money, hey, hey, one day you will compromise him. One day you will deny him. One day you will, you will take him. You will choose him over wealth. You will take him for silver and gold. Now let's see this. And that's going to be the final thought. Although in trying to see the value of Christ, I want to show something. That what Christ has done cannot actually be assessed or estimated by his death on the cross. Although the Bible told us, the word of God told us that no love, Jesus Christ himself said it in John, that no love is greater than this, that a man should lay down his life. And we saw him practically demonstrated that. In fact, in one of my teachings, I, 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 I asserted the fact that we saw two kinds of love. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That is God's part. God gave his only begotten son. But the son himself too has love. The God kind, the God kind of love. The, the, the God's kind of love. That he had to lay down his life because the father gave him. He may say, I'm not dying. Hallelujah. So we saw two kinds. And that two kinds is one. Seeing telling us the nature of love that the nature of love, the nature of God's love does not change form. However, wherever, however, wherever it appears, it was from the Father. The Father expressed because that's expressed through the Son, giving all the Son. Because that same Father, that same love, rather, that is found in the Father, is found in the Son. When He came into the Son, it made the Son to labor for humanity. You know, Jesus Christ did not just come and die. He would have signed an agreement with God and said, God, I want to go and die. Let me get there. And the next day, gather some people and say, I want to die for you. And meet Pilate. Pilate, uh, Pilate will you crucify me now and perhaps did something that will infuriate the government of the day and the crucifying would have died. But because of his affection, he bargained the 33 years of stay with humanity. And even after his resurrection, he didn't just dive into heaven. Saying the mission is accomplished, he had to still stay for 40 days to teach Jesus' commitment. But I want to see, why am I mentioning all this? I want you to see that Christ is worth everything. Maybe what is still worth to you, like it was to, G- to Judas Iscariot, was 30 pieces of silver. Hey, oh my God. But, 
actually worth more than. To Judas Iscariot, what Christ was worth is just 30 pieces of silver. They want to crucify this man, and what they requested is just um, is a 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver. And he was satisfied. If you can give us your master, then we would give you 30 pieces of silver. That is the worst. Now, let me read that portion of scriptures. Holy Spirit, please help us once again. Matthew chapter 27, verse 9. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah, the prophet saying, and they took the 30 pieces of silver. That word is tearing something. 30 pieces of silver. The value of evil was priced. How do you price Christ? What value do you place on me? This religious leaders never knew what Christ was worth. They never knew he was the savior of the earth. They never knew the solution. He was a solution to their problems, their religious confusion, the, the, the colonization, the colonialization that had happened, the sacks of the Jewish kingdom that would need to be restored. His place is this man. Their health is placed in this man. Their well-being is placed in this man. Their eternity is placed with this man. But because they could not see the price Christ for 30 people of silver. They price Christ for 30 pieces of silver. Just as the siblings of Joseph will not see a protector of destiny, we not see a preservator, we not see a, a, a keeper of destiny, their preserver in time of famine, and all they would want that man called Joseph who carried the vision of the whole nations of the earth was 30 pieces of silver. What has been done to Joseph, then it's been turned to Christ now. What is the value of Christ? Is your job more important than him? Is your spouse more important than him? You know, Christ told us in one of his teachings that anyone that must follow him I'm trying to recollect that portion of scriptures. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's Matthew chapter 13. Thank you, Holy Spirit. After Peter tried, Matthew chapter 16. After Peter tried to dissuade Christ from going to the cross to die, Christ rebuked him, telling him he never knew the value of death. To Peter, as at that statement, by, as at, by that statement he uttered, the value of Christ to him was their intimacy, the miracle. He equated Christ with the miracle. He equated Christ with the bread and the fact that he's the breadwinner of the group. He equated Christ because his presence means so much to him. But he never knew that what Christ is worth is far more than what 12 of them can exhaust or what only him can exhaust. There is something in that Christ that when it landed on that cross is going to free more than 200 billions of human folks. Now we have more than 6 billions. Now we count 2,000 years down the lane. Let's say maybe we have 2 billions to what? Uh, I mean 6 billions to what? Uh, leave maybe 12 billions altogether. Now we count from the time the world had been to this time. Maybe let's say 20 billions. 
But Peter <laughs> wants to monopolize the master because he lacks the value of Christ. It is our value of Christ that determines what we do with our lifetime. It is what determines whether we make our life to revolve around him or we make him secondary in our life. I want to recommend some books that have changed in my life. Edward Mons is one of them. He wrote some prayer. It is the value of Christ that determines whether we prioritize the prayer life. We prioritize study life. We prioritize missions. Missions in the sense that reaching out. Outreach is bringing others into the fold. When Christ means nothing to us, we don't value other people's life. In fact, it is in the value we place in Christ that we can value other lives. When we value Christ the less, then we value humans the less. Because Christ came to reveal the values of man by showing us the value God has in us. And as we begin to see that Christ became the demonstration of God's value for Iman, because God so valued Iman, he risked Christ's life so that we can see value. And until we are able to see the value in Christ, we can't value Iman. And that is the explanations. That is the reason why there is problems in the world, terrorism. Why do you think a mixer will be launched in a nation to, to impact another continent or another geographical location to cause massive destruction, lack of value? Whatever could be the disagreement, be it political or economic or, or land reasons, how dare you launch a mixer? And we are going to see more of that in the end time. I am not a prophet of doom. My master said it and I am articulating what he says. If it is not value of life, why do you think somebody will commit a ritual using a human being like himself? If not the value of life, why do you think somebody will embezzle public funds? And God really knew that man lacks value. He made a desire to prophesy that despite the fact that Christ was stricken, yet they esteemed him lightly. What does that tell us about us? It tells us about the attitude of people to crisis atonement work or crisis propitiation, crisis death. And no, that is not just attitude to Christ. That is man's attitude to Iman. We lack value. We don't have correct human value. We don't, we, 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 we don't value people. That is why we ridicule people, we mock people, we, we deride them. We contempt them. I want to challenge you. What can you see about Christ, Father? I will the Holy Ghost will inspire me right away to be able to see the value of Christ. To be able to tell you that Christ is worth anything, is worth everything. Those guys, they could, although it is in the wisdom of God, that is accomplished. But let's take a clue. God had descended that Christ who died. But then if by providence God has illuminated the minds of this religious leader to see that Christ is the solution of the problems of that world, they wouldn't have crucified him. You know, what you don't value, like my father used to say, that what you don't value, you don't keep. So why did they scream, crucify him, crucify him? They lack value, not for his person, for the work. If they had known that the salvation of man, redemption of man from the depression, from the oppression of darkness, 
to the kingdom of God is placed in Christ they wouldn't have. The reason why the sinner out there, the person smoking out there, the humanizer out there will not come to reckon or will not resonate with the reality of Christ is because they have not seen any value. And that's why I used to tell believers, it's high time we stop telling people that Christ died. We have to tell them the conditions until they see the conditions of things. How the state of things was so bad before Christ came to restore it, they will not see any value in his death. It's not like somebody telling you, I want to repair your phone for you. Why would you repair my phone when my phone is not faulty? Or I want to do something for you. Why would you do it for me when I'm not in need of it? Before somebody can accept an offer, he must see the need why he needs to. So I tell you, the reason why people have not seen Christ because they have not seen, they, they have not seen the emptiness in themselves. I like the way uh, Watchman put it. Watchman said that until we, the light of God shines in us and makes us to see who we are on the inside, how, 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 how frail, how empty, how selfish, how desperately evil we are, we will never embrace the light of God and we will never run towards God. We will never place value on what Christ has done. What is your value for Christ? If Christ is highly valued by you, if the salvation you have received is highly valued by you, you will not engage in that man practice. You will not cheat in the, you will not cheat in the exam. You won't. If, you, if Christ hmm, is more valuable than you as you profess, you will not put ends, you will not cooperate or join efforts to, to swindle, to golf, to embezzle that money. You will not be involved in that corruption. Hmm? So our attitude, our, even our commitment to Christ, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now I want us to see the value of Christ. But before we do, I'm going to read that portion of scripture again. Then I'll go to that Colossians I quoted, then I found it. Colossians chapter 1, verse 3. Now let me read. Now the prophecy of Jeremiah. Matthew chapter 27, verse now, then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah. What was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet saying, and they took the prize, the 30 pieces of silver, the value of him who was prized, whom they of the children of Israel prized, and gave them for the potter's field. And the Lord, as the Lord directed them. What became more interesting or what I'm really much interested here is that the price of Christ, that Christ that saved you, somebody sometimes ago priced the 30 pieces of silver. A whole nation. I don't know what that 30 pieces of silver really worth. But I know it's worth a little. If that money can buy a field, maybe they added some money, but at least if it can buy a property. So let's equate it. It, it buys a field. I don't know how large that field is. Maybe I may need to research into. But if it can buy a property, a graveyard, a cemetery, okay, how much is a cemetery worth? Now, a cemetery, how much is it worth? A government cemetery, a public cemetery. 
not the, the portion you buy to bury a person. Now, the whole place you want to buy it to make it commercial. How much will that business work? Let's say it depends on the part of the world. Okay, let's say maybe in Ikoyi, Lagos, or Victoria Land. Let's say um, the land will be sold for 100 billion. Then um, maybe now after 100 billion, you build a little house for the office, maybe for that little house, maybe 10 million. Okay, let's say everything is 200 million. And I know it can't even work. So they paid Judas 200 million. Let's, let's put it that way. And it can't even be worth. Never you forget that the same price, 30 pieces of silver was the same price Joseph was sold. And you know, when I was studying the scripture, that was years ago. And even recently, it's just, I, I do reflect on it. Why was it that they sold Joseph for 30 pieces of silver and they sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver? Although Joseph was an indication of Christ was a type of Christ, the Savior who had the dream to save the people from the problem and the people would not be in support. They would not want to submit to him. They hated him because he wants to save them. And they prized him like they prized Christ and they sold him the same amount they would sell Christ. That is a typology. But I begin, let's, let's put it in, in the reality. I don't, I believe it's typology. But is it that because it's a typology that the same value of money then in Joseph's period is the same value of money in Jesus' period. Well, two things the Lord made me to realize. Maybe the economy was so stable that there was no inflation. One. Two, maybe the Lord wants it to actually match what is portrayed in Christ. The value of Christ. What does it worth to you? Now as I round off, I want to take you behind the veil behind the cross to show you what Christ is worth. I don't know what it's worth to you, but to me it's worth anything. And I'm not saying this, and I'm praying that God will bring me. But, you know, I told somebody, it is one thing to see and also one thing is another thing to enter into an experience with it, of it. I told the brother, I said that it's one thing for you to find something in the scriptures, it's another thing for God to grant you an experience to personalize that thing. And most of the time, when God wants to make His Word a part of us, after exposing us to, his, to it, after showing us that thing, the Word of God, He brings an experience that demands that we submit what the Lord has shown us without compromise. It was not the day the devil met Jesus Christ, tempting Him that Christ learned the Scriptures he quotes to, 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 to rubbish Him or to put Him off. He had learned them, but a challenge came. They need to prove and stand over what he had read. And such is the reality. It's a fact with everyone. That from henceforth, I will not know that Christ only died for me. I will know what that death accomplished. And ever since I've been studying Christ afresh, I have been dazed by the fact that he taught powerfully he was concerned about others. In fact, in the gospel, we learned that at times he teached so long that he was unable to eat. And because he could not eat, his brethren had to come to take him and uh, try to speak to him or try to check whether he was not actually going mad. He was so giving to men. And after all, he laid down his life. But we may never see the value of that death. 
until we are able to see what revelation God gave Apostle Paul and some of the apostles about what that Christ death wrought. I will show you a few in 10 minutes before we round off. We're going to see it from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is one of my favorite scriptures. Chapter 2. We're going to read from verse 9. Let me start from verse 9. I read. But we see Jesus, who was a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. So the death he died, he didn't die for himself. He tasted death for you. So how do you value somebody that tasted death for you? That reminds me sometimes ago, my niece was seeking admission into a public school and that particular year, the Lagos State government said that nobody should be given admission except those who, those who have lastra. And I think some other requirements such as uh, tax clearance and something like that. And that particular year, my niece has not done us. So the government said if the child of the, the child seeking admission has not done us, the parents should present there. Something like that. Then that day, when it was the tenth of my niece, the people doing the admission would not attend to her. Then it happened that somebody that lives so close to us, around our street, happens to be a teacher in that school. Then my mother went to her and tell her a woman you explain things to her. And she went and said, I met her colleagues and said, look, you have to do it. She is my daughter. She presented a lastra. That look, she's, we live on the same compound. She explained the relationship they had and they gave her a consensual. Ever since that day, my mother esteemed this woman highly that she had because she took the place of the parents of that girl so that what that girl should have access to she would have access to it that was what christ did for us he actually took her place he actually tasted death for us let's read on because you have other places to read for it was fitting for him for whom all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Another thing we saw here is that he suffered for us. Why did he suffer? He did not suffer because he enjoyed suffering. The Bible said because he wants to bring many sons to glory. What is glory? Glory is salvation. Because it is salvation here because the Bible says that to make the captain of their salvation perfect. So if he's bringing them to glory and is the captain of salvation, it means that that glory is the salvation. In order to bring people into salvation, in order to save the people, he had to suffer. The captain, the person that is leading, the author of the salvation had to suffer. He suffered. You know, there was another thing Christ gave us. It's not just salvation. Another way to see this glory, the glory of the Father. And what did man lost? Romans chapter 3, verse 23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory. Man lost glory. Adam lost glory. What is that glory? It's not a room 
filled with smoke or smoke or an atmosphere filled with smoke or something foggy. No, it means the presence of God. It means the kingdom of God. It means the influence of God. It means the power and the glory of God. Man lost it. And to bring man into that thing, the devil will not want it to come with ease. Christ had to suffer. How should you value somebody who did that for you? That's not all it did. Verse 11. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified, those who are being sanctified are all one, of which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Another thing this Christ did, so that, you, that should make you value him, is the fact that he made us one. I'm going to read all through the scriptures. Especially the accounts of John. John chapter 14, John chapter 15, John chapter 16, John chapter 10. All through scriptures, you see one goal that John kept on iterating that Christ mentions in his teaching is that we should come into oneness with Christ. I think, I think, I think Romans chapter 11 tells us that uh, we are one, a little lump, compare us to be a lump and says that we became one. He that sanctifies and he that is being sanctified are one. Christ made us one for the Father. Christ does not only value us, he places the value of the Father inside of us. And not just that, immediately makes us one. We are no longer followers of Christ. We are not just admirers of God. He said he calls us brethren. Hallelujah. Brethren. Oh, glory to God. What does that talk about? A brethren is a member of the same family. I'm a member of God's household. I'm not just a servant. Although in the series we have just gotten through how to serve the Lord, we see our place as servant. And that has to do with what we do in the kingdom. Our engagement, our involvement. But by our status actually, do I explain it there too? By our status actually, we are brethren. Let's jump. Verse 14. We are reading chapter 2. Verse 14. Before verse 14. You know that verse 10 through 13 through 12 have told us why Christ needs to suffer. To bring us into glory. And you know when we mention glory, people think it's about your life. I have told you. The goal of God is to get us to himself. He's not trying to give us anything mundane. He will give us those things. The Bible says that he that does not spare his soul but delivers him for us. Or how shall he not will they give us all things? He will give us all things. But those things he gives is to channel our attention on him. Anything that will take our attention, our drive, and passion away from God, God does not give. And that is the, one of the demerits of the prosperity gospel that promises you, um, we call it indonesian. Promises you well-being and tells you that how much wealth you've got is a proof of how well you are getting along with God. That's a lie. Because the Bible said that he gave them quail, he gave them flesh to eat, but God was not pleased with them. He sent leanness to their soul and, and, and slaughtered them. Now verse 14. In as much as the children of Partaking of the flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who are the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed he does not give aids 
to angels, but gives aid to the children of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, is able to aid those who have been tempted. Look at this beautiful revelation about Christ's death. In that verse 14 through 18, we saw the wisdom of God demonstrated again. Go and listen to the series we did on the wisdom of God. What is the wisdom of God? God picks the so foolish thing. Picked the base thing. What does not make sense? And what is that death? Victory, defeat. He picks defeat. And out of defeat, he walked to victory. How? Christ seemed to be defeated when he was erected. In that portion of scripture where we started from, Matthew chapter 27, the Bible told us, I think verse 2, chapter 17 verse 2, 27 verse 2, told us that Jesus Christ was actually burned. That is defeat. He was kept. He was restricted. He could not run again. He was in chains. He was beaten. But in that defeat, there is a strategy that out of it, there will be life. Men have been born and have been mesmerized by death, cannot free itself from death. And out of the death of Christ came victory over death. And by his death, we will through death, we are subject to death all our lifetime. We were head bound by the bondage of death, we became free. And the Bible calls this help. God's greatest help for Iman is not that he answers his problem. It's not that he delivers him from his predicament. The greatest help on which every other help is predicated is that Christ came and died for you. That is the gospel we are preaching. Nothing more is the gospel. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. Nothing more is the gospel. That is the gospel. That verse 16 says that he gives aids to the children of Abraham. What is this aid? Christ's death. Hallelujah. What is an aid? A lift, an assistant, a help. Mercies. Aids. Do you need help? And you are still a sinner. Your life is so, is so filled with darkness, filled with confusion. Filled with threat, filled with challenges, you are so confused, you don't even understand, you feel like committing suicide, your home is scattered, you are a drunkard, you are irresponsible. There is a help out of that thing. It's not counseling, it's not psychology. It is Christ, it is believing his death. You know, when people see people on the street who are mad, or who see people who are going through tough times, especially who are, inflicted, who are afflicted by the devil, or who are possessed or obsessed, we tend to think that, hey, the devil is powerful. See what he had done with this person. No. God has only opened your eyes to see what the devil will make of you if you don't yield to him. And surely, there are some people the devil will not even make that of them. He will stylishly afflict them. Like one of the brothers who went on evangelism together and said, he said the devil is very cunning. It's just like, like a farmer 
uh, who keeps his bed in the cage and feeds the farmer so that at the end of the year he sells it and that chicken that is being felt will end up in the pot. You see, that's what the devil does to us. Maybe he did it and we know he did it. You know, there are some people that the devil will not, will not even be stopped. Even will not allow any pressure to come their way. Their home will be at ease, finance will be there, everything will be stable, relationship will be healthy, and in the middle of their age, pam, we only cut them off. And they will end hell. Look, I've said it, Christ will not make us suffer. You can't follow Christ and you are poor, especially if you're obedient. It will show you a way out of your poverty. But that's not the major reason why he died, anyway. But let me tell you this that even um, if, if coming to know Christ means poverty, that to suffer, to, 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 to work with Christ means to suffer. Not to suffer with Christ doesn't mean that we are going to be poor. That's not the suffering. Suffer with Christ means that as we seek to tell people about our faith, they launch an attack against us. They stand against us. But now let's even say that the gospel epitomizes or promotes poverty. I tell you that poverty is far more better. Because after a while it stops, maybe 70, 80 or even 1,000 years of your life, but imagine you are going to spend eternity in a bliss that is undescribable. I mean, indescribable. So Christ is what's everything. I have about eight minutes more. You are looking at the value of Christ. Now can somebody place 30 pieces of silver on a person who did this for you? Are you not annoyed? I am. But my fear is that those generations are gone where they will lightly price Christ and they will take his disciples and crucify them. And those guys will risk their life. Was it John Wycliffe? I was reading the last time when he was about to be burned. And those cruel leaders were trying to bargain him out of that cruel judgment that was to be meted on him. And said, look, if you know the worth of this Christ... You wouldn't mind to be born with me. That's the person who understands the world. I don't know whether I understand it until when I come to the face of life's problem. Until when the pressure of life. Several years ago, I preached a message. Uh, I call it infixing, immersed in God, observed in God. I titled observed in God. And then I used a type of a foam, an observer dropped in water and i said when you want to squeeze at that observer what comes out of the observer versus the water at the mount pressure is what comes out is the water you see when we become soaked with christ we see the value of christ and life squeezes us what comes out is the value first second peter chapter 2 verse 1 i think 3 and 2 5 said that he has called us by grace and mercy and by this grace and virtue, he has given us exceeding promises that we may be partaker of divine nature. We can't even exhaust the scripture. And I want us to see the whole of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 is basically highlight of what Christ has done for us. You have more than 20 highlights, highlighted facts about what Christ did for us. But we cannot see it. But let's see a few. Let's see the scripture. I have about two minutes more that we close. Ephesians chapter 2. I'll just read a few scriptures. I like that portion of scripture. Let's please help me. Ephesians chapter 2. We can't finish it maybe some other times. I will read from verse 11 through 14. I will be very fast. 
Therefore, remember that you were once Gentiles in the flesh. You don't even have started from here, but let's start from there. Who are called on circumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. That at that time you were without Christ, being alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise. We are without Christ. We are we are we are we are we are, we are, we are, we are alienated from the commonwealth, having no hope. And without God in this world, four things there. But now in Christ Jesus, you were once afar off. I've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Can you see what Christ brought for us? He brought us near by the blood. By the blood. By the blood. We were brought near by the blood. Look at those four things he did. That we are without Christ, that we are alien from the commonwealth of Israel and stranger from the covenant of promise. There's no time to explain. We have no hope, we have no God, but we are brought near by the blood. Do you know what? Do you think the blood is the blood of God? How did you think that blood was presented? Did you think Christ went to pick the blood from somewhere and presented it to God? His own blood, he had to die. <laughs> Verse 14, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one and broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in the flesh the enmity that is the law of commandment contained in order that so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and having and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached. Peace to you who we are far off and those who we are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Look at those things he did for us. There's no time to explain them. Now therefore, verse 19 now. You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Glory be to God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself, being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into the holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built up together for a dwelling place of God and the Spirit. Hallelujah. I made you eventually God's dwelling place. You that have no God. God cannot even deal with you. He can't, he can't even talk to you, let alone in between you. Oh, look at what Christ has done. Oh, this Christ who did this, somebody placed 30 pieces of silver. Then I challenge you, what is the value of Christ? When the challenges and the problems of life came, like Christ told us in that proverb, in that parable in Matthew chapter 13, would we, we die away or would it help us to shoot our root into the earth? Let us pray. I want to close your eyes and say, Father, inflame my heart for you. Open my heart to see the value of your life. <laughs> Open my eyes to know the love of God. <laughs> for God so loved the world. This is love. This is love. No love is greater than this. That a man lay down his life for us. Father, help us. That we see this value and we live in it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Let this passion drive us to bring souls to you. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.
Amen. Glory be to God forevermore.